I want to talk about Paul's missionary's journey today. And um, so turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. And while you're turning there, remember I've, I've been challenging you. Um, <clears throat> this morning a sign and wonder happened here in first service. It was awesome. I opened my Bible and a Dairy Queen card fell out. <laughs> so <laughs> it just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty powerful. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's great. Who wants this? Anybody want this? Anybody just really like Dairy Queen? Nobody likes Dairy Queen? Boycotting Dairy Queen? Megan does? Here, Megan. Oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> In my former life, I was a ninja. I want to encourage you guys today that no matter what's happening in the culture around us, no matter what's going on in the, in the world around us, the kingdom of God must never stop. Do you understand that? Believers, you and I, if you're a believer this morning, if you're not, today's the day for you to believe. Today's the day of salvation. The Bible says now is the time for salvation. And I just want to encourage you, don't walk outside of these doors without making a commitment to Jesus Christ today. And for those of you who are a believer this morning, and, and we, we, we coined the American word saved, for those of you who are saved, say amen. amen, because it is the best life you will ever have giving your life to Jesus. Amen? amen. be the best life you've ever had giving your life to Jesus. And <clears throat> there's so many awesome things going on in the world right now, and I say that sarcastically. There's a lot of great things going on right now, too, and I, and I say that with all seriousness because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, and I believe that we are headed for the greatest revival in the history known to man. We're at the tipping point, if you will. There's a new era appearing before our eyes, and we're going to see God move in a very powerful way. So no matter what happens in our culture, no matter what happens in our kingdom, no matter what happens in our world, nothing should stop the believers from advancing the kingdom of God, no matter what's going on. In the Bible, when they were being persecuted in the church, the, matter, the Bible says that the church grew daily in the midst of persecution. Grew daily in the midst of persecution. What does that mean? I just think that when the pressure gets going, the kingdom of God rises even to the top more and more and more. And that's where we're at, church. So we're going to talk about what's going on in Saul's and Paul's life. So let me give you just a little bit back history real quick on Saul. Saul was a, a Pharisee. He was somebody who was very knowledgeable in the word in the Old Testament. And very just, I'm going to give you just snapshots, okay? I'm going to talk as plain as I can. He was very knowledgeable in, in the word, and he knew everything. He, he was one of the top dogs, if you will. Just goes to show you can know a whole lot and not know God. Amen? You can know a whole lot about God without knowing God. It's possible. Saul knew a lot about God. He went around, and on the day that Stephen died, he was there. And that was the day that marked the ministry for Saul of persecuting the church. He felt it in his heart that God had put it in his heart to go and persecute the church until he had an encounter with God. On a road called Damascus, he was on this road 
and he got totally blasted by Jesus, okay? So much so that there was a bright light in the sky and knocked him off of his horse. The power of God was so strong, knocked him off of his horse. He woke up, he got up from that encounter, a completely changed person. Even his eyes were scaled over, the Bible says, and he was blind. He listened to the Lord on that day, went to a street called Straight, and then another person, okay, I believe it was a guy by the name of Cornelius, he, or Cornelius, his house is at least, he heard from the Lord and says, I want you to go to this house on the street called Straight, and I want you to go wait for Saul, the persecutor. Now, if you know anything about this, the last person you want to meet is somebody who's potentially going to kill you, Right? On that day, obedience was displayed to the word of God no matter what was on the outside. I can just see this person going, hey, God, are you sure about this? You do know what's happening, right? Have you ever asked God that for your own personal life? God, are you sure you want me to do this? You see my situation, right? You see what's going on in my life, right? I really can't do that right now because... You see what's going on in my life. You, you do understand the things that I'm going through. God is not too concerned about the things that you're going through. He wants to lead you out from the things you're going through. And that is, that is how we get obedience as our key word. To be, obey the voice of the Lord, to step into the next thing that God has for you, no matter what the outcome is, and no matter what's going on in our life, it may look like you're getting ready to meet your murderer, your persecutor. But God says, I have a plan. I think sometimes we try to talk God out of God's plan and try to convince ourselves that we actually know better and what's better for our lives. Pastor, I've never done that before. Sure you have. You ever been waiting in the line before and you feel like you should talk to somebody, but you don't talk to somebody about the Lord? Either you're timid, you're afraid, you're afraid of offending somebody. Whatever the case is, your knowledge just, become, just became greater than God's voice in your life. The moment we begin to speak and the moment we begin to believe our way is better. And I'm saying all this to tell you that in these times and in these days that we're living in, it's going to be extremely important that we learn the voice of the Lord for us. I appreciate all the words, and I'm going to talk on that a little bit today. I appreciate all the things that are going on. I appreciate all the prophetic words. I appreciate all these things. But when it comes down to it, what is God saying to you to do? Because you will be held accountable with the word of the Lord that's spoken to you, not through someone else to you. What is God saying to you? Church, it's time that we start learning and growing mature in our faith. And that doesn't mean just knowing the Bible is actually putting the word into action because that's where true revelation becomes real in a person's life. We'll talk to you guys today real quick about the green light and how Paul lived in the green light realm he lived in the green light realm. So let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. This is one of Paul's missionary journeys. And he says, now Paul also came to Derby. I just want to apologize for all the scholars out there. I'm probably going to mispronounce some of these words. Now Paul also came to Derby and Lystra. 
And the disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by his brothers and sisters who were in Lystra in Iconium. Verse three, Paul wanted this man to leave with him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts for they all knew that his father was Greek. Can we just stop for a second and just pray for Timothy being circumcised at the age that he was? Sorry, potty joke. Number four, verse four. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the ordinances for them to follow which had been determined by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were being strengthened in faith and were increasing in number daily. That is our legacy as the kingdom of God, believers, that the church grow daily in numbers. Not the church, the building, the people. Verse six, they passed through Phaegon and Galatian region after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. That's interesting. To speak the word in Asia, verse seven. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Let me just pause right there and say this, that in the times that we're coming into, in the times that we're here, I want to encourage you to keep your spiritual senses aware of what God's trying to say through dreams, visions, and encounters. These dreams, visions, and encounters must always lead to the person, Jesus Christ. Outside of that, I would be cautious and aware because the Bible says in Revelation that in the last days that the, that the false prophets are going to arise and the, and the believers are only going to hear what they want to hear. We have to listen to the voice of the Lord. We have to be aware of what he's doing. And sometimes the Lord comes to us with dreams, visions, and encounters that only speak to us. And we're aware in. So verse 10, we had seen the vision, we immediately, him and Timothy immediately sought to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So after setting sail from Troas, we ran straight course to Summerith, and on the following day to ne Neapolis, yeah, I'll get that, and from there to Philippi, which is leading the city of district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we're spending some days in the city, verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were thinking that there was a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had assembled. And then later on in that story, the women there, the leader of the pack was a woman by the name of Lydia. The apostle Paul in that story lived in the green light realm, in the green light district. He lived in this green light lifestyle of preaching the gospel Paul didn't need a sign and a wonder from heaven to convince him to obey the scriptures. When Jesus said, go, that was enough for Paul to go and do. But he still needed the Holy Spirit to show him what was at the forefront of the Father's mind. I would like to suggest to you today that the co-mission in the word of God is simply just the go-mission in our hearts. To always be willing to step forward. To always be willing 
to move ahead, to always be willing to walk and always be willing to go and do what God is asking of us to do. But if we never are in motion doing what he, what he already said in his word to do, then I believe that God will have a difficult time speaking to us the direction that he wants for us. The reason why God spoke so clearly to Paul, who, by the way, wrote two-thirds of this Bible in the New Testament, the reason why God spoke to him so clearly and he can hear is because Paul was already in motion. He was already doing. He was already going. As a matter of fact... God had to stop him from doing certain things. He had to say, hey, listen, don't go over there. Hey, listen, don't go over there. Paul was already taking steps because all he wanted to do was fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ, and that was to preach the gospel. You see, God will work better and work more effectively with you if you're in motion already doing something. But what we tend to do a lot of the times is we want to stop and wait for God to speak to us to direction. I'm all for listening to the voice of the Lord, but make no mistake about it. When you're in motion, when you're living in the green lights of Jesus Christ and you're always going and you're doing what the word of God already told us to do, God will begin to speak to you and you'll begin to hear him clearer and clearer and clearer and you'll get to know the directions that God has for us. And for you. See, why would the Holy Spirit say no? I learned this a long time ago that God's no is just as important as his yes. My responsibility is obedience to both yes and no. God says no to us to keep us away from going places in the wrong seasons. But I suggest to you today that he can't say no to you if you're not in the posture of the yes. If your posture in him isn't yes, then God can't say no. So then Paul had this dream of a man pleading with him to come to Macedonia, so he went to Macedonia and preached the gospel. And the simple point is this. Paul was able to obey because he was already in the green light, in the motion of carrying the gospel to all the world. See, there's an old saying called, it's easier to steer a car when it's in motion. You guys know what I'm saying? It's, an, it's easier to steer the car when it's in motion. My dad had this truck on the steering wheel, and it had a handle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Had a handle. There was no power steering, okay? He had, he had three on the tree, okay? When I do this or when I do this, kids nowadays are like, what's that, man? <laughs> it's kind of like giving someone a VHS tape. I put this in the microwave? What do I do with this thing? Dad had this old truck. And I remember as a kid getting in there and going like this and turning that thing while it wasn't in motion. It's the most difficult thing to do, steering a car while it's not operating and while it's not on. Even if you have the key in there, nowadays, you know, you turn the key on and then your, your steering wheel gets a little loose. But back then, you turn the key on, nothing happens. You still got to... I pull that thing and you press the clutch in. You guys remember what a clutch is? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. All right, you press the clutch in and you grind the gears to that first gear and then second gear. You know, and my dad would always complain about how bad trucks were made. Yeah, these trucks, I can't believe it. 
I should have built my own truck. I'd make it way better. Like that. But the moment that he started moving, and when the truck was in motion, he would grab that thing, right, especially if he was going at a certain speed, and he would just go, and the wheel would go whoop wherever it, wherever it went, wherever he took it, right, wherever he turned, that's where the truck would go because it was in motion. And that's the lifestyle that Paul lived in. He lived in the lifestyle of motion, of walking by faith doing what he was supposed to do. I'm gonna teach you guys some things this morning, so I want us to really pay attention with our hearts because in these times and in these days, God's not too concerned about us just knowing about a bunch of stuff. He's into us knowing and doing because that is where the action happens. That's where the action happens. Paul's commitment to the lifestyle of going put him in the place to hear the specific directions God had for him. And there's a word that I want to bring some clarity to, some, some, some understanding to, and that's the word revelation. That's the word revelation. Revelation is not just a chapter at the end of the Bible. Okay, it's not just something we look at and go, oh, the ten-headed beast is upon us, right? Which, by the way, next week on Sunday night, at 6.30, Dr. Nichols is going to walk us through the timeline of where we're at in eschatology, and time events. Okay? It's going to be a Q&A session, so I'd love for you to come and just ask the hardest question because he's the smartest man that I know. Probably you know, too. Okay? He's a great guy. But Revelation just isn't a book in the Bible. It's not just something that's back here. Revelation simply means Revealed. Or given light to an unveiling of something. Revelation in his word is not intended to make us smarter. God's not too concerned about enhancing our intelligence. And that's what we've seen in the church today. We've seen people really, really know the word of God. Really, really know what they believe God is saying. But when you look at their lifestyle, their lifestyle has nothing to do that depicts what actually the word of God is saying. There's so many people right now within, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just uh, talk about our denomination, which is the Assemblies of God. There's so many people right now that are, that are coming against all these prophetic words and these prophets. If you're not in the stream, let me explain it to you real quick. For the last full year and a half, maybe, maybe even more than that, there's been these prophetic words given by many, many prophets within the United States and around the world saying what's going to happen on this election, vouching, saying and believing and, de and, and declaring President Trump is going to win and be elected for another four years. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we all know the outcome of what's happening. So what do we do with those prophetic words? What do we do with those prophets who are saying these things? This is what I want to say. First of all, trust God. Believe what he's saying. Get alone in him. Second, don't demean the prophetic voice of the Lord. Because these people, these people who are speaking, believe with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They heard a word from the Lord, and they declared it, they lived it, and they went so far to put their neck on the line to get ridiculed about it. And that right there, guys, is called faith in action. 
Are there some people out there who get it wrong? Absolutely there is. Absolutely there is. But are there pastors who get it wrong too? Right? We don't go around and go, oh, we're getting rid of all pastors because they're all bad. Pastors. Teachers. Uh, Teachers, they taught me the wrong thing. No, we don't do that. We don't do that because we lost the value of what it means to hear the voice of the Lord. We want to be taught and fill ourselves up with really no action behind it. There is a spiritual assault right now in the apostolic and the, and the prophetic giftings within the church. And I'm telling you right now, not on my watch. Why? Because that is the foundations. Along with the evangelist, pastor, and teacher of the growing and the raising and the building of the church. See, his focus is in Revelation is not just to make you smarter. That's not really his concern. His focus in Revelation is more about our personal transformation. Revelation leads to a God encounter, and that encounter forever changes us. And that's how Paul lived his life. That was his green light lifestyle. It's the reason why when you read your New Testament, that two-thirds of this Bible was written by the Apostle Paul. Because he lived in a place where he was in motion and he was living in the green light district of his life. And he just went and said, yes, God, you already said to me, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to go and do it. He didn't, God didn't have to wait around to try to beat a dead horse. He had a rain pulling. You ever try to beat a dead horse to get it back to life? I've never had before, but I've heard it's pretty hard to do. Right? Get a paddle. No matter how hard you hit a dead horse, it's dead. Smack. (laughs) Smack. No matter how hard, the horse ain't coming back to life. A bunch of people over my house yesterday, they were watching this show on TV about animals or something like that. They're operating on animals. I love Dr. Pimple Popper. I love the toe show. You know what I'm talking about? Where they work on people's feet and the bunions are really big. I love all those things. But the animal one, I had a tough time with. I had this horse there doing its thing, taking out something, and all I could think about was deer jerky. Like, that's it. I was like... I remember that day when I shot my first deer. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Right? And I'm like, I wonder if they do horse jerky. No, I'm just fine. I didn't think that. <laughs> I'm teasing. So here we are. And, 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 and no matter how hard we try to revive a dead horse, but Paul, what he did was he wasn't that kind of person. The Lord had to rein him in. Whoa, hold on, Paul. Whoa, hold on, Paul. Not yet. Not yet. I don't want to send you there yet because it's the wrong season. And that's what God's trying to do for us. He's trying to wake us up and revive us and resurrect us. Like the song says, dry bones and live. He's trying to wake us up to what his power really means so we can start being in motion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there is a world out there who needs Jesus. 
Without the encounter, revelation makes us proud. And this is what the reason for Paul's warning to the church in 1 Corinthians. He said, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. I find it, you know, I've been in ministry for 24 years now, full time. 25 almost. And uh, it's interesting to me how people want to be fed all the time. You know, we can just have another class. If we can just do this, and I'm, listen, I'm cool with discipling and teaching and all those kinds of things. Discipleship for me is not getting you to know more. Discipleship for me is you getting to know more so you can be activated in doing it. Because that's where life is at. If you walk out of a place not activating something that was just spoken to, something that God dropped in your heart, a revelation that God dropped into your heart and gave light to, if we walk away and we just, we've done no good to anybody, all we've done is made ourselves feel better by learning more of the Bible. God wants you to activate what this says in your life and walk it out and live in motion in the word of God. The actual effect in our intelligence is according to the measure of transformation we have received. If we just want to know something without action, again, we'll try to talk God out of doing something in our lives by our knowledge and reason. Revelational truth remains unproven theory unless it gets actualized through faith-driven experience. How many of you guys believe that God wants to heal people in today's culture? Amen? The healing power of Jesus. I believe that God still heals. I believe he still does miracles. I believe that we're gonna see an increase of those in these times we're living in. An increase of these. But I don't wanna just talk about it anymore. You see what I'm saying? Because if I just talk about it, then I just have a theory of miracles. I really don't have an activation of miracles. I want to pray by faith for the person that's sick who needs Jesus to touch their lives. But if I never move from here to here, then my faith is no good to anybody. We live in the green light motion of Jesus Christ where we live by faith. And we say, I don't know what's going to happen on the, under end, on the other end of this prayer. But all that I know is I'm doing what the Bible tells me to do, which is win the lost, make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, do all of those things. These are the things that we're told to do. And it should be good enough for us to do them already. Amen? Not just think about it, not just talk about it, not just say how much we know about it, but actually start doing what this says. Because when we do it, it may not happen the first time. It may not happen the second time. It may not happen the third time. But make no mistake about it, the more that you stretch by faith, God will honor that faith in action and a miracle will happen. Don't give up by living in motion. Revelation must be activated, take root, and have life in the heart of every believer. If you're taking notes today, this is where I want to end. Kaylin, you can come up. When she comes up, I go faster. <laughs> I'll give you seven ways. Real brief. Seven. Oh, Pastor Jake, that's so much. I'll be fast. You seven ways to walk in Revelation. 
My friends told me yesterday, just stop there and don't give you the seven. I thought about it. Seven ways to walk in Revelation. Number one, become childlike. Become childlike. Simplicity and humility of heart help qualify a person to hear from God. It was so awesome yesterday. These are my buddies, by the way, over here. Mike and Megan, Ryan, Aaron, where you at? There you are, Aaron. Dr. Dale, Lori, Will, Robin, Darian. This is our team that we uh, did ministry with in Sherburne, Minnesota for many, many, many years. And uh, so we, we try, we're not always successful, but about once a year we try to get together, if not once or twice every other year get together and have a little reunion with each other. It's a lot of fun. Yesterday, though, my house was packed with kids. And it smelled. Poopy diapers flowing around. Which, by the way, Ryan and Aaron, you guys left your diapers at my house. By the door. Your kids' diapers, not yours personally. And uh, it was just so, it was, there was fighting going on. We had one child fall down the steps. I mean, he was in my way. I had to get him out of the way. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> Move, kid. <laughs> but it was so funny. I was just watching the, uh, my best buddies, Billers, their, their, uh, their little one, Zion. We're watching the football game last night. Ryan was almost asleep, had his hand like this, and his little boy Zion was just on top of him, riding him like a horse. I mean, just going crazy, and Ryan's just like this, just laying like this. If you know Ryan, Ryan falls asleep almost virtually anywhere, in any circumstance. He's just, I mean, it's chaos in my house. It was awesome. It was a great experience. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it was cool when they left too, but I, it, was, it was a good experience. <laughs> but I, I looked at that yesterday and I thought, you know, that's what it's like being a child in the, in the kingdom of God. The Father's just resting. And we can be as wild as we want to. We can, but the reality is this, is that little Zion trusted Ryan so much, his dad, that he had the ability to do that, knowing that Ryan wasn't gonna get mad and say, get off me already, quack. It didn't happen, why? Because they have that relationship. And when we walk in the revelation of a child, we know that we have confidence and trusting in God, that he can do whatever he wants to. And most of the time when we're just being crazy and wacko, God is just resting on the couch. That's it. He's saying, I just love being with you. I just love being in your presence. So number one, way to walk in revelation is become a child. Number two, obey what you already know. Clarity comes to the one who is willing to do the will of God. The willingness to obey attracts revelation because God is the ultimate steward sowing his treasures into fertile ground and surrendered hearts. Obey what you already know. And I think that's a big one for a lot of people. They want to really, really, really know. 
But if you know already now, then do something with what you have. Because God will then increase in your life. Number three, learn the biblical art of meditation. Ooh, meditation. This isn't some occultist teaching. Meditation is actually from the word. I meditate on his word day and night. Here's what meditation means. Simply put, it's reading his word and allowing that word to mull over in your mind. I love that word. To mull over in your mind as you lean into what he's speaking about what that word just spoke to you. Right now, we're on this journey right now of reading the Bible in a year. If you don't know what that is, it's called SOAP. Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. You can find it on our website, goriver.org forward slash soap. You can follow along with us every day. Right now we're in the New Testament, the book of John. And so, you know, we have a mission and we have a goal. I'm doing it. We have a mission and a goal to get to this. But I'm telling you, I'll read that word and I'll just pause for a little bit and I'll read it again. And I'll pause and I'll read it again. And I'll go, God, I'm just gonna go ahead and stop right there. It makes the administrative people so upset in my life, a.k.a. my wife. We got to get through this. No, she's actually really cool about it. And, and so we'll sit there, Kristen and I, and we'll talk about it. And it's really neat because we're doing it together. And I said, oh, I just read that the other day. She's like, yeah, ding dong, we're reading it together. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I just sit there and I just marvel at what Jesus says in his words. And I just, and I don't worry about moving on. I sit there and just let it take root. That's meditation. So number one, become like a child. Number two, obey what you know. Number three, learn the biblical art of meditation. Number four, live in faith. Living by faith in your present assignment makes you ready for more assignment. If you don't know what's on the other side of what God's speaking to you, the Lord says, don't worry about what's on the other side, just obey me, and I'll let you know what's on the other side when you get there. My responsibility when God speaks to me is being obedient and surrendered. His responsibility is the answer. I am responsible for obedience. That's faith. It's stepping where you don't know what's gonna happen. When you don't have the answer, you just go in that direction. That's number four. Number five, acquire an understanding heart. An understanding heart makes a good foundation for something new to be built on. And God wisely awards fresh insight to those who have the basic principles in place. Number six, give God your nights. This is something that I practice. Give God your nights. The Song of Solomon reveals this so great and really so poetically. He says, I sleep but my heart is awake. The Song of Solomon, chapter five, verse two. I sleep, but my heart is awake. Do you understand and realize that God speaks to you in your dreams? Do you know that? Because he does. He speaks to you. That's why I believe that when you get some kind of funky dream, it's not just burritos you had the, the last night, okay? It's God, it's God showing you something. It's God teaching you something. I've had multiple dreams that have led me to certain things. Multiple dreams. God speaks to you in your dreams. So what I do at night, look at my phone, click, 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 talk to my wife. We pray, and, I, and we both say, Holy Spirit, have our night tonight. Have my dreams, have my mind. 
I'm surrendered to you tonight. And we prepare ourselves for resting with Jesus. Number six, give, your God, give God your nights. And the last one is give away what you have. You want to walk in revelation? Give away what you already have. Give away what you have already. Right now, every single one of you has a measure of faith. Every single one of us has a measure. The Bible calls it a mustard seed. Gives us a measure of faith. Every single one of us. We have something that we can give to other people. And if we want to walk in an ongoing revelation of Christ and who he is and what he's speaking to us, then we must give away with what we already have. Because when we do that, it positions us for more of him. And I don't know about you, but I want more of God. Amen? I want more of what he has. I'm a, I want more of what he has in store for us. I want to see God move in a powerful way, not just through song, not just through preach. Now, I want to see it in the street, baby. I want to see it out and about. I want to see people get rocked by the presence of God. I do not care what the culture is saying to us right now. I will not allow the culture to define my walk with God. We cannot afford that. We have to start growing a backbone and not just living in a wishbone. And stand up and say, God, what do you want me to do? And with as much fear and timidity that we have to do what he actually asks of us to do, we walk by faith and not by sight and we go and we obey what he's speaking to us. Whether that be in something, here's the thing. Faith and fear feel a lot alike. Faith leads you to Jesus. Fear moves you away from it. But they feel the same. If God speaks to you, you go, ooh, I don't know. I encourage you, and I triple dog dog dare you to cross over and cross that line and just see what he'll do for you. I believe this morning that God has been speaking to some of us whether a purpose, a mission, or something or other, right? Whatever the case is, and we yet haven't fulfilled it, I believe God wants to bring that to completion in your life. Right now, today, what is God telling you to do? What is God speaking to you to do? Remember, your yes is an invitation for God's more. Your yes is an invitation for God to do more in your life. So when we live in the posture of yes, in motion, God works more in our lives. It's a new era. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of doing things. No longer are we just going to sit there and wait for God to give us a direction of which way should we go? Which way should we go, God? Start moving. Start taking a step. Start doing something uncomfortable with your life. Start doing something that's going to stretch and take your faith, a little bit of faith to activate. Start doing it and then see what God will do. And just see what he'll do. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for today. I love you with all of my heart. Father, and I just ask that your spirit, Lord God, would just move in our hearts. If I can just ask you guys to stand real quick across this whole place. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I don't know who Jesus Christ is, but I want to know who he is. I want to give my life to him. I've been to church a few times. 
I've been to church a lot, but I know that my life isn't right with God. I just know it. I know that I'm living in disobedience. Listen, today's the day for us to get right with Jesus. So let's do it. If that's you today, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick and put it right back down if that's you. Say, pray for me, pastor. Pray for me. Good, there's one. Anybody else? Says, that's me. Two, three, thank you so much. Anyone else? That's me, pastor. Come on, pray for me. Four, thank you so much. Anybody else? Come on, somebody. Some, some people's lives are getting changed this morning. Good, there's another one. Thank you so much for being honest. I appreciate it. Come on, there's no time to waste, no time to mess around. God is here for us. Good, thank you so much. I see your hand. I appreciate that, being honest and transparent with the Lord. That's what, seven? Man, come on, Jesus. We're gonna pray, and I'm gonna ask you guys to repeat a prayer for me. Before I do, let me give you some instruction here this morning. Pastor Lupe is in the back. Wave your hand, Pastor Lupe. He's back there in the back. If you raise your hand today, I wanna connect you with Pastor Lupe. We've got just something small we wanna give to you so we can have a personal connection with you and help start and walk through your new journey with Christ. And if this morning you've been challenged to live in motion, I just wanna encourage you, take a step, just one step, that's all it takes, just one step. The next step becomes easier, I promise. Just take one step. But if you can, everyone together, especially if you raise your hand, if you can just pray this prayer with me out loud with everything you got, say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my life and make me brand new. Today, I give everything that I am to you everything. My life is yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give these people just a shout around. The Bible says that if you made a decision today, all of heaven just stopped and is throwing a ginormous party for you. That's what the Bible says. Everyone asks me, Pastor, how, how can there be such a big party in heaven? Because around the world today, somebody comes to know Jesus Every three seconds, there is a gigantic power party happening right now in heaven. I don't have to worry about what's happening on earth because on earth as it is in heaven, get ready for the celebration, amen.